So for me, heart-centered leadership is about how can I support my team as best as possible, but also have them respect me enough that they're going to get the job done in the way that it needs to get done. Hi, I'm Julie Hyde, and I'm passionate about inspiring leaders to step up and lead and be powerful role models for those around them. My guests are all doing just that, and I ask them to share how they are making it count and how they have created their success. I can't wait to share their amazing stories with you. My guest today is Sophie Britard. Sophie is a heart-centered leader and an experienced people, culture, and human resource leader. Sophie believes that kindness and psychological safety in the workplace will change the world, and it's her mission to make sure the aged care and healthcare space reflects this. What I love about Sophie is she is incredibly passionate. She is really grounded in who she is and how she leads, which, as I mentioned before, she leads from the heart. This is a really awesome discussion about leadership and what makes a great leader awesome. We talk about what heart-centered leadership is and we take the buzz out of you know, workplace wellness and workplace well-being and really get to the crux of what this means. There's a lots of laughs along the way and I'm sure that you're going to enjoy our chat and you're going to get a lot out of this from a leadership perspective and really understanding what you might be able to implement into your workplace in this space. So enjoy my chat with Sophie. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. So lovely to be here, Julie. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am. (laughs) I'm really excited too. I've been hanging out for this interview with you. So, and I've got lots to ask you. So shall we just jump straight into it? I'm all in. (laughs) Yeah. I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you landed to where you are today. Uh, So it's a wiggly line as it usually is when you get to something that you find is your passion. So I have a background in ecotourism, science, real estate, wine sales, and now my passion, human resources. Wow. (laughs) I know. Epic. (laughs) It comes from uh, loving to do lots of things. And I've realized as I've got further into my human resources life, um, it really pulls in all the other things that I've been interested in throughout the rest of my life. So um, communication, learning, connecting with people, relationship building, and really just being okay with enjoying lots of different things rather than specializing in a particular area and human resources has given me that opportunity to sort of bring all of that experience in and now bring that into the workplace where I am with people the people part of it I think has always been there from from very young I've always enjoyed being around people and and connecting with people and being very social and I think human resources is is it was just a natural progression for me to end up here, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I can see how it's all interrelated. Mm. And the science is a great sort of... Random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the science sort of links into it all. I sort of love that. Well, it, 
It does. It does. It does. Um, no, well, the science is quite interesting because um, it was the biology uh, and the geology were probably, and I did some paleontology as well. So it was all around uh, for me learning and exploring new areas of interest. And then the now I'm sort of getting into the, the nitty gritty of the science of how the brain functions and the psychology in workplaces. And I think, and I'm also self-proclaimed hippie nerd. So I have lots of learning, lots of crystals. So I think, you know, geology was obviously something that was, was attractive for me as well. Cause I like to know how things are created and how they work. So when you look at it that way, you think actually it's probably not such an unusual pathway because you can pick up things from every bit that you learn and pull it into you know where you end up absolutely and that breadth of experience and knowledge just makes you who you are yes agreed agreed (laughs) now you're working within the aged care industry which you have a real passion about don't you I do I really do I think there is nothing more amazing than working in an industry where as a human resources leader, you get to take care of people who are taking care of other people. And on top of that, it's that they're vulnerable people. So we are very privileged to work in the aged care industry where we get to spend that time. It might be very short. It might be long. You just don't know. But we get to share those moments and and create uh, an ageing with purpose and and an enjoyable, um, I suppose, end of life care. And no matter how long that might be for the for the person who who lives with us. So, yeah. So I'm very lucky. We've got 80 beautiful residents. I get a little bit emotional about it because it really is so amazing to be able to have that time with people who have lived such extraordinary lives. And I think often uh, the elderly are not featured as much as they need to be you know they've got such a wealth of experience the ones who are living with us have been through some of the multiple wars Mm. we've got one lady who lived through the Spanish flu and now she's gone through COVID you know like Mm. she's over 100 years old and I just think those those stories those people the experiences um, can teach us so much so yes I feel really privileged added on top of that then we have our beautiful staff so we've got about 150 staff and so the people that we get to meet through through that sort of dynamic in the workplace as well, because they're the ones taking the direct care of our beautiful resis. So you've often got people coming into the industry who are exceptionally caring human beings. So yeah, so it's just it is it's a it's a it's a fast paced and and busy and exhausting industry, but it's very rewarding, really rewarding. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I'll get to the the exhausting bit. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, a heart-based leader like yes that that's what you're that's your thing that's how you lead it's straight from the heart yeah and I'd like to delve that into into that a little bit because sometimes I think there can be a real misconception about being a heart-based leader and what that means I know that you have also said that you you're a really straight shooter and um, you say it how it is Mm-hmm. So, but it, 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 it's the intent from which you, you say and from which mm-hmm. you communicate. So yep. can you share a little bit with us about what being a heart-based leader means to you and mm-hmm. how you translate that into your leadership? I think the basis for me is kindness. I don't think that you can be a genuinely 
successful and supportive and exciting leader to work with and for without genuinely caring about the people who you are, are working with. So kindness is a big thing, but there's quite a few different things that link in to being a heart-centered leader. It's not just, I'm going into the workplace to be kind. I mean, that's amazing. And of course I do that. But with that comes the responsibility of, of a few different things. So one of them is being able to set clear, clear boundaries. So boundaries are something that I have learnt to put in place more strongly the longer I've been in, in this industry, but also in as, as a people and culture manager. Because if people don't respect what you're asking them to do, you're not going to have a productive workplace because People will still need to know exactly what you're wanting from them. They need to know your expectations. And if you can't kind of be brave enough to pull them up, but in an empathetic and kind way and say, hey, look, you know, maybe I haven't been clear enough about what I needed from you. My bad. Let's have a chat about how that needs to look going forward. And look, some of my conversations can be really direct with people because often you have people who um, might have a different communication style. Or they might genuinely just not understand what you're asking and you have to kind of find another way that you can say it. But it's my responsibility, I believe, as a leader to be able to find the way that I can communicate appropriately with that person so that they feel comfortable enough to go out and thrive in the workplace. If I haven't done that, if I haven't given them space to be themselves, if I haven't given them time to have a say and and if they're not happy with something for them to feel comfortable to be able to say that to me, and have that direct conversation back with me. And then if they don't feel like I'm going to support them going forward, then I've failed. So for me, heart-centered leadership is about how can I support my team as best as possible, but also have them respect me enough that they're going to get the job done in the way that it needs to get done. So there's quite a few things. I think it's not just a single layered approach. But for me also, it's around connection. So if you don't know your team and you don't care about your team, I mean, I know our staff, all of them by first name. I know most of them what's going on at home. So genuinely knowing them, genuinely caring about them. And I think if you have that at the heart of everything, then people will trust you Yeah, and, and get the job done and you'll be a team. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I think that the setting boundaries is really important. Yes. And I believe that that is being kind. Yes. Yes. Because if people don't know what you're expecting from them, that's, that's actually being quite unkind. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Generally, I'm quite a hands-off kind of leader because I give someone a project, I'll sit with them, go through it with them, hope they understand, let them be free, go and try it, try and do what I've asked them to do, but give them the opportunity to come back and ask questions if they don't understand or they need clarification. But I've had, you know, managers before who've gone, there you go, go and do that job. And I've gone, okay, well, I think I know what you mean. I've clarified as much as I feel comfortable clarifying. I'm going to go and do what I think you want me to do. But then it hasn't been what they've actually needed me to do because that communication hasn't been clear enough for us to understand exactly what we both need to make sure that the outcome is reached. So I'm very particular about that. But then once I've made sure the person knows, I'm very hands-off because I don't want to meddle in what they're doing because otherwise, why wouldn't I be doing the job? They're there to do it. They know better than me often. They're the specialist in the area. 
I let them do it. That's, I, you know, and I don't have time to be doing their job too, let's be honest. <laughs> yes, I love that. Empowering them to do what they need to yes. do. Yes. yes. <laughs> true. I love it. And I think you mentioned before the word respect, which I think is really important because yes. we're not there to be loved. We're no. not necessarily there to be liked either. No. But if the respect is there, yeah. like you said, that that's really when you are a team. If you respect your team, they reciprocate, then yes. you've really got you've really got it humming. Yeah. And I think it's such an easy thing to lose. Someone once said to me, you know, respect is is very hard to gain and very easy to lose. Something that I do, you know, every day is I have the mindset of how do I want to be perceived in the workplace? How do I want people to see me? behave, speak, do, be. And when I come in the front doors, that's who I am because that's what I expect of the rest of my team. So I don't expect anything from them that I don't expect of myself. And it's about walking the talk for me. Yeah, I think that gains respect as well. I mean, some people are not going to like me. Fine. I don't like everybody either. That's just humans, you know. But there are people that I don't particularly like, but I respect them for what they're doing, what they stand for, how they act, what they do. I might not agree with what they're doing, but I respect them for making those choices and being who they are. So good. I love what yeah. you said in terms of how do you behave, how do you speak, yes. what you want to do and then what do you yes. want to have. So that yes. clarity, it's all about self-awareness for leaders. Oh, huge, yeah. huge. If you think as a leader you're not being watched every second of the day in the workplace, you're not leading very well because you, you don't have that emotional intelligence and awareness that you what you're doing, everyone is watching. And even if someone hasn't seen it, someone's telling someone else what they've seen. If you want to be respected, then act in a respectful manner. If you want to let your staff have fun along the way, like we do, gosh, we laugh so hard at work a lot of the time with me because obviously I've got a very loud laugh. So, you know, if you want people to have fun, model that behavior, be that, you know, be be what you want to see. Yeah. Talk to me about workplace well-being because mm-hmm. I really think this has become a bit of a buzzword. Yes. Together with authenticity. Yes. And, um, <laughs> Indeed. But I think the events of last year have really highlighted the need for leaders to embrace their employees as a yep. whole rather than two parts. The world's collided. The business and the personal world collided yep. and it was very unplanned. But you believe that kindness and psychological safety in the workplace is not only important but will change the world, and I'm certainly with you on that. Yeah, It really annoys me when I hear leaders saying, yeah, we've got a great um, EAP in place <laughs> yes. or we've got, yeah, fruit boxes. Yeah. And- <laughs> or a handful of... <laughs> A handful of dried fruit. Yeah. Uh, we have drinks <laughs> on a Friday night. But that's Rules, yeah. not about work. No. So- no, no. Not anymore, I don't think. No, not anymore. And now for a quick break. If you were listening to this podcast, then you understand how important leadership is to your success. And that starts with you. How you lead yourself will impact the performance of your business, your team and your career. That is why we developed the Role Model Effect program. This program is designed for those who want to sharpen their leadership tools and be a leader that people want to work with. It's seven weeks, a value-packed and laser-focused course spent on crafting your leadership for success. You will walk away with absolute clarity on what you need to do to be a successful leader. The results our participants are achieving speak for themselves. 
So, if you understand that leadership is the key to your success, contact Julie to find out more at juliehyde.com.au. Because mm. so, you share a bit yeah. with us about your experience with workplace well-being. I get the goosebumps when I talk about workplace well-being and psychological safety. The the topics are so close to my heart because, uh, firstly, I suffer quite severe anxiety and still manage to thrive within the workplace. But that has taken a lot of time and developing strategies sort of within my job to make sure that I stay well. And then I started to realise that perhaps I wasn't the only one that was feeling this way. High achieving, excelling, you know, people think you've got it all together on the, on the surface, smashing it out of the park when inside you're actually probably really, you know, struggling to keep it all together. Mm. And it was because um, I, I was working in a job or well, a while back now, it was, it was, I feel really sad about it. My mum went through uh, breast cancer. She's okay now. Um, but I remember one day I was working and she asked if I could take her to her chemo. And I said, yes, sure, but I'm working. So I'm going to have to bring my laptop with me and I'm going to have to do some work. And she's like, oh, that's okay. If you could just drive me down and stay and pick me up. And reflecting back on it now, I'm horrified. But the whole time there, I sat on my laptop, I took work phone calls. I barely focused on mum and at the end of it, you know, there was my mum going through something really serious and I hadn't been present and I hadn't been there because I was so anxious about making sure that I was excelling in my job. That culture in that workplace was a very much a, you're a number, you will do the job, this is the job that we set for you, these are the targets, this is what you need to reach and we're really sorry but not sorry if we burn you out. When I got this job, and now I've been there nearly seven years, I made the informed choice to make sure that that didn't happen in our workplace. So working in aged care is, is obviously a huge responsibility. Yeah. We've got vulnerable people that we're taking care of, first of all. We've got uh, staff who are working 24-7 rosters. So they're shift workers, which is known to affect uh, wellness and, and well-being. And especially mental health. We've got residents who are passing away regularly. So our staff are dealing always with grief and loss or the, I suppose, the pending perhaps loss of, a, of, of someone who's become a loved one within the home for them. And then dealing with on top of that particular behaviour. So we've got a memory support unit, which has residents in there who need extra support for, you know, maybe they've got a dementia or Alzheimer's. And need that extra support so often they will behave in ways that are perhaps would be seen as more difficult or um, a little bit uh, more confronting definitely emotionally more draining for our staff and so when you pull all of that together into a workplace and then on top of that you've got staff who are not paid particularly large salaries as well so mm. you've got these people who come into the industry because they want to make a difference usually they come, nobody really usually gets into a care industry unless they're caring human beings. So you've got these people coming in and then I thought, how can I better in my job be the change maker to make sure these people are as safe as they possibly can be at work? And it was kind of selfish as well because I don't want people to burn out because I'll lose them. 
I, they're not going to be productive. We're going to have more sick leave. We're going to have unhappy staff. So from a business perspective, well-being makes so much sense because if you take care of the humans as humans within the workplace and they're thriving at work and at home, then it's a win-win. Like I feel like there's I feel like there's no there's no lose in this because if people are healthy and thriving at work, they're going to be healthy and thriving at home. They're going to be happy to come to work. They're going to take care of our residents better. They're going to be building better connection within the workplace. They're going to treat our resident families, you know, with more care and kindness. I suppose, how do we create a culture? Because it has to become, it has to become a culture from the top down, from the board right through. And when anything in those levels is not functioning at the expectation, then it's not going to filter through the rest of the company. You're not going to have your staff feeling psychologically safe. If they can talk to their general supervisor, that's fabulous. But if they don't feel like they can approach the CEO or a board member or someone else in executive management, they're not psychologically safe. Absolutely. Because it's it's huge. It has to be, this is why I get so passionate about it. Look at me. I'm so serious. I just... <laughs> I I just I'm so all about it and it gets me so riled up when I see people or I hear people going I don't know who I can talk to I don't feel safe I don't feel like if I say this to that person that I'm not going to get retribution or I, I might lose my job sorry no that's not okay and that gets me so like on my high horse and soapbox and whatever else I want to jump on because (laughs) because it's not okay like we have a we have a responsibility within the workplace to make sure our staff are safe and if they're not how do we make that happen yeah how do we do it and that's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that it's happening in the workplace and if it's not why not why not there is so much in what you just said. I think we need to do another podcast solely on that because what you said is absolutely key and something that really annoys me as well. Yeah, it gets my goat. It really gets my goat <laughs> because the leaders who say stuff, Yes, it's like we want, you know, our staff are the most important people in our mm-hmm. world and, you mm. know, we want to empower them. We want to enable them. Yes. However... You meet this target. You work these hours. You can't work from home. I need yes. to see you. Yes. Because I don't trust, trust you. you. Yes, it's the trust. Yes. And I've seen it work both ways, positive and negative. So I am so proud of my team mm. because I know that when I'm on leave or when I'm out of the office, they just hit the ground running. Yeah. They go, yep, we've got this. And I'm like, are you sure you don't need to send me an email or anything? Are you fine? <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, we're great. And I'm like, awesome. That's fab. You know, I'm on phone if you need me. Yeah. They barely ever call me because I know that they're smashing it out of the park because they're amazing. And I trust them to be doing their jobs. Whereas I've seen it the other way where I've had, and I call them managers, not leaders, because they micromanage and they exhaust their teams. They burn them out. Their staff don't feel safe. Yeah. Their staff are not productive because in the end, what happens with that, and it's so common, they, they, they become hands-off yeah. because they go, well, this person's told me that, that person's told me that, but then they told me this, uh, hang on a sec, am I meant to be doing this or this? And hang on a sec, 
they they tore shreds off that person and I saw them do that when they did that bit. Uh, well, maybe I'll just won't do anything because that's the safest approach because then I won't get in trouble because I won't have done anything and then I couldn't have done anything wrong. Uh, so, you know, you just, I feel it's not rocket science. It's just not, is it's it? It's not. <laughs> and your example of your team and just getting out there and smashing it out of the park. Yeah. That's what you want as a leader. I know. That is a sign of success. When, you when do you know what when my team doesn't need me anymore job done yes you know because I know that they've been delegated tasks that they are that are appropriate that they can handle that they know how to do yeah. that they can check in with me whenever they need it yeah and they'll just get it done like who doesn't want a smooth sailing team oh my god oh, like really and, and for some people, this can, could be a real holding up the mirror moment. It's mm. like, you know, am I guilty of doing these things? And yeah. perhaps they're not aware of it. No. And, and often, often those ones who do that are not aware. Yeah. So, and I think that's why when I say it's not rocket science, it's not rocket science for some people. For some people, it is so foreign. Yeah. And they have absolutely no idea how to tackle it because they've functioned in this linear way of and they they are often very task oriented people and they say well I've got this this to get done I've got that to get done I've got this to get done so I'm giving you a list and then I'm going to come back in an hour and I'm going to check if you've done them all yeah that's never going to work like you can have a checklist for people but you have the collaborative discussions you have the what's the timeline on this do we need to reprioritize that how are you going with that that's the other thing one-on-ones I have one-on-ones regularly with my team, yeah. not to check up on them, but to ask them what they need from me. Yeah. Having them often and not yeah. just work focused. No. Nah. But again, it's a simple strategy. You've just got to understand what you need to prioritize your time for. Yes. That's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Like you're going yeah. to get the return on investment for that. Absolutely. And do you know what? It's really not a hard thing because people go, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. You know what? I'm crazy busy so busy but you know what I do I schedule in my calendar every week so Tuesdays are my one-on-one day some days they don't happen because obviously life happens but then we reschedule so I make a a point of saying I'm really sorry I've been backed up with other meetings today or this one's run longer do you mind if I reschedule your one-on-one to tomorrow or the next day after my team are absolutely fine with that because they know at some stage during that week they will have half an hour of my time I give them half an hour one of them wanted an hour every week and I said, sure, let's do it. You know, it's about trusting that your team can do their job but then also helping them along the way and mentoring them through, you know, some of their difficulties but then getting to know them a bit as well. So I remember it was so funny. I took over my team in admin a couple of years ago now and I remember starting the one-on-ones with them. Yeah. I remember they were all t- saying to each other, oh, have you got a one-on-one? Oh my gosh. What's she, what's she going to say? Oh my gosh. What do you do? What do, what do we do in this one-on-one? I'm so scared. I don't know. I'm not prepared. And I, they came in and I went, so sit down and tell me about yourself. They were like deer in the headlights. They went, what? What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> that doesn't, what do you do? Why? What? what? Hang on. But I've got this list of things. I'm like, no, no, I just want to know. And then at the end of it, I always say, what do you need from me? How can I help you? What do you need from me? Sometimes it's, you're doing great. Sometimes it's, we need to see you more often. Sometimes it's, I'd like a pay rise. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, all the best. Maybe yeah. next year. No, I don't. 
Like, no, I don't know. I work them through that, obviously. But yeah, you know, it's, yeah, and we've got that relationship where you can, you know, people feel comfortable to say, look, I, you know, I'm not, I feel like I'm not getting paid yeah. what I need to be paid. And then I step them through the, through the process of how do they apply for that? You know, come yeah. to me with a, a reason why, why we should be giving you a pay rise. Give me, give me your argument. Yeah. In, for four. For you to, I, you know. I think it's a positive thing that people feel comfortable enough to ask you. Yeah. I think with women as well, yeah. it is such a difficult topic for women to discuss. I've helped so many women put together sort of a case in point for how to go about getting that pay rise. And you may not be successful. The person might say, no, I don't think so. But then that at least gives them the list of to say, well, if you can do this, this and this, come back to me in three months and we'll revisit it. I think my role as well has sort of developed into that where we've got it, we're a very female dominated industry and being able to give women, you know, I've got women in their sixties who've never asked for a pay rise. Mm. So they've just been on an award rate and they've never asked for one and I've got them asking for it now. And I'm like, good on you. You know, give me, give me why and we'll work together and we'll see if we can get it across the board. So, you know, it gets back to the, the heart centered leadership stuff as well. It's that, it's that trust. It's that care. It's that, you know, genuinely want to want to help people. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I can just see the power of you role modeling that in your organization, which is amazing. <laughs> and you were um, the 2020 National Women in Leadership Award finalist. And of I course, I can understand why. <laughs> I think you are like an amazing role model in this space because key to what you said before you walk your talk right? I just do it because I want to help people it's not yeah it was it was a very humbling experience but you're you're so kind with what you're saying because really it's just it's just what I do daily you know it's not for me yeah. it's not anything it's different so. are, but it's yeah. the impact that you have on other people but like what was that what was that experience like like being recognized for your leadership and the impact that you're making and then being part of those awards like I can imagine that would have been amazing well I'm I'm well I'm blushing now because it really was and I think um it sort of came out of nowhere because I was actually going to nominate somebody else and then I got nominated and I went oh goodness and then I kind of went oh well we'll just see how it all pans out and I thought well there's no way like it was a national award I thought who am I who am I little old me in the Adelaide Hills standalone not-for-profit aged care home oh my gosh I remembered looking at the um the list of the finalists and going wow (laughs) wow you women are amazing and I was actually fangirling on all of them I just I have such respect for women who are thriving and leading and being brave and unapologetically themselves and successful and even if they're not successful they're giving it a red hot go and to be able to be in that category, it was overwhelming. Like it was something that I could never have imagined um, was going to happen because it sort of came out of left field for me. And the lady who actually created them, um, and they're on again this year, uh, Sonia McDonald, amazing. She's amazing. And she's all about kindness and courageous leadership. So she created these awards and so they're all specifically around leaders who showed kindness courage and inclusivity um, in the workplace and that's what I'm all about and so for me 
it was just about connecting with amazing humans who were just in their own patch, doing their own thing, but knocking it out of the park. The extra best thing that came out of it was that I get to talk about aged care. And so it's been a platform for me to discuss the aged care sector, which can often be not a very positively displayed sector in the media. Um, And, you know, we've all seen the Four Corners shows. We've all read the newspaper articles and we pride ourselves on being nothing like that, obviously. And we are, um, I suppose, really, really proud of what we do on a daily basis. And so the awards have given me that platform to have those discussions to say, you know what, what you see in the media is actually, you know, a teeny tiny part of the sector. And it, yes, it's horrific and no, it should never happen. But the general people working in the aged care sector are passionate about what they do, genuinely love the people they care for. And, you know, if we wanted to be paid massive salaries and make squillions of dollars, aged care is not the industry to be working in. So the people who are working in it, it's a core value. Absolutely. And I I love that you're using your platform for good. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it enables you to shine a spotlight on the aged care industry and the good about it. It's very topical. And I love having discussions with people about it because not many people know that much about aged care. And so especially young leaders in aged care, Mm. um, it's a very uh, dynamic industry for uh, young leaders to get into because it's a gro- it's a massive growth industry. So oh, it's huge. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being part of the Making It Count podcast. And I generally ask people at the end, you know, how are you making it count? But I think what you've shared with us today, it just really shines through how you're making it count in your world for your family, for your team, for your residents, and also in terms of really creating change. Yeah. In the world. Oh, stop. I hope, you know, it's just, it's just so lovely to chat to you because I just know that um, you are just as passionate about helping people thrive and helping people learn and be better humans. And I think when you get to have a chat to somebody who is on the same wavelength it's just it's just it's a beautiful interaction and connection because you you, you're both trying to um drive positive change and i yeah it's just it's been a pleasure and and i feel very humbled to be on here so thank you chatting to you thanks for listening and i hope that you have gained some great ideas and feel inspired to get out there and make what you do count for your leadership, your business, and your life. Please do leave a review for this podcast and please share it with your network. Send any feedback or suggestions for future guests by emailing me, julie at juliehide.com.au. For now, let's get out there and make it count.